From American Salon Magazine and .com, I'm Gordon Miller, and this is American Salon Stories, our weekly podcast featuring some of the most interesting people we know. So today I am so honored to have this guest, um, one of the most recognized people in the whole professional beauty industry. I, I'm just, I'm blown away. And, I, and before I start going down the resume and talking all the kudos, let me just welcome to the podcast, Sam Via. Hello, Gordon. A pleasure to be with you, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. The American Salon audience is, is in for a treat today. And again, I don't even know where to start in describing you. You've got, the resume is insane. Um, first off, you are the founding partner of the Sam Via brand and um, doing all kinds of cool stuff. You are one of the most award-winning educators in the industry today. And recently promoted after a long history with multi-titles um, with Redken Fifth Avenue, you're now the Global Artistic Ambassador. Yes, uh, very excited about that. And I'm going to be working a little bit more closely with uh, Redken in terms of marketing and social. I'm excited about Sam's Corner, which is going to be on the Redken uh, website in the break room. And it's going to be really basically what I've been doing with my brand, but a little bit more deeper and uh, getting into some new ideas and some new things. So I'm really, really excited about it, Gordon. Well, you are just feel like everybody's favorite. You you are an inspiration. As I said, you're a brilliant role model to so many people. You're, you're clearly an innovator. And I, I just got some very exciting news. You are this year's recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from Naha, and that is off the chart. Um, what an honor. What an honor. Good for you. Uh, crazy off the chart. I'm telling you, I could not believe it when I was told. I was actually surprised at, at the ISSI show in Long Beach in the Redken Model Room, and uh, Jesse Marshall, along with Sherry Doss, uh, scheduled this meeting with everybody in the Model Room saying, hey, we need to speak to everybody, and Jesse Marshall wants to uh, talk about Naha. And I thought, oh, okay, cool. They're going to kind of encourage people to get involved with Naha and support Naha. And so all of a sudden she said, we give out this award and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, huh, she's talking about Lifetime. And sure enough, she turned around this year. We're honored to be giving it to Sam. I was just floored, Gordon. I lost it. I just, you know, it's just amazing. It's kind of like thinking to myself, and I kind of joked around with the Red Canars saying, I guess they, it's time I go now. I guess <laughs> Hard, hardly. And I, and I don't think oh, there's exactly. a, I don't think there's a greater honor in the industry um, for someone, you know, who creates the art that inspires inspires um, this industry and, and and you're one of the greats. So again, congratulations. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about what you do every day. Give us a, the short version of, of, of Sam via every day. You and I bump into hallways all over the industry. We, we never get a chance to actually sit down and I, I know you got your fingers in a lot. So tell us. Well, basically my day right now, the last two months, I have been at home because I just had a brand new baby boy. Yeah, congrats. First, thank you. My first child and been here at home. Basically, it's a new learning. Talk about learning. Wow. It's a new learning situation. Very much life changing. But a day for me pretty much is surrounded by, um, you know, with the brand and with what I'm doing, it's a lot based on digital. You know, it's a lot of checking emails. I do a lot of, lot of research, constantly researching. Researching. You know, I don't consider myself as an innovator. I really stand before people motivated by the passion to teach, and I consider myself as an educator. So I really believe as educators or as teachers, we must never cease to learn. 
So I find that, you know, I spend, I kind of block out a certain period of time in my day, mostly in the morning, and that's when I'm researching and doing things. I think a lot of times, you know, um, people look at YouTube and they look at a lot of things that we see out there and it's like, okay, well, I can, I can do that. Now, yet uh, sometimes things are really hard to figure out. I love being the educator that takes things, breaks them apart and make them simple. You know, I've never claimed to say that I've uh, invented something or it's my technique or anything like that. I really believe that there's plenty for everybody and we inspire each other. And that's what's been so great about social in terms of digital and what it's done for the industry. It's really sparked a new sense of inspiration in it. And uh, I've been really excited about that. The day consists a lot of that and then uh, tearing up, ripping up mannequins. Uh, a lot of it is, is you know, you got to experience it. Once you discover something, you have to experience it. And the best thing to do it on is mannequins. So I'm a big uh, person on that. And then when I get to the live person, you know, I've done things a couple of times and now it's time to perfect it. So there's a process to it in terms of developing something that where you can get it to a point where you can teach it. And my day encompasses that. My relaxation is all based around a little white ball called golf. Oh, I did. I didn't know this about you. A lot of people don't know that. They look at me. And they go, uh, "You play golf?" Or if I'm after I play golf and I'm having a beer or something, people will ask me to go. Well, what do you do? I go, "I'm a hairdresser," and they just look at me like, oh, "Wait a minute, you don't look like a hairdresser. <laughs> what are you doing?" But yeah, my relaxation is golf. It's just me and that ball. You spank it, you chase it, and you try to put it in a little hole. <laughs> so I grew up in a family of golfers. Also, little known trivia about me: my favorite quote about golf, which is, um, I live at the other end of the spectrum from you, which, it, which is, I don't remember who said it, but golf is a good way to ruin a great walk. And, <laughs> and my my dad and my brothers tried to get me to understand golf. And I, I liked the walking part, but I was like, you know, the rest of this is kind of getting in the way. So Good for you for finding your passion. <laughs> I have never heard that one. I've heard a lot of it, but never heard that one. That's classic. That is classic. I'm going to have to remember that. Use it. <laughs> so um, so let me ask, I ask everyone this question, and uh, and that is, before we jump into social and, and, and education and, and take some of this stuff deeper with you, um, what, what would be the best advice anybody's give, ever given you professionally and why something that would be relevant to our audience. I think one of the most powerful things that somebody gave to me was they said, um, people buy people, then they buy things. And I've always held on to that. And it meant a lot to me when I heard that, you know, um, it was uh, a quote that was shared with me by a friend. And he said, Sam, you have to remember something. He goes, and it, this came to me after I came off a stage and I did a one of my very first shows and I followed Paul Mitchell himself. And I went up there and I tried to be somebody that I'm not. And uh, when I came off, he said to me, he said, you know, why you were trying to be somebody you're not. He goes, what got you here is who you are. And it's because you make a connection with people. People buy you, Sam. They, you know, they, you have to remember, they buy you because of the way you are and how you can take something and give it to them in a real simplistic way, and it's usable. So remember, people buy people, then they buy things. So what I'm trying to say here is what he said was, make a connection, and then people will connect with you, and you've made the sale. This is so so relevant to anybody who's working behind the chair. Um, years ago, when I was with Pivot Point, I read a study 
um, that was done. It was by Harvard or Yale. They had done a study of different service professions. And they said, you know, those who are providing services to the public, how do people make buying decisions? And they, the research showed that close to 80% of the buying decision was around the person, not the service itself. And, and I've long said to audiences, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm a consumer. I'm not a hairdresser. And I pay for my haircuts. I always have. I have way too much respect for the profession to take a free service. And I'm like, I've learned myself and from my consumer friends that we're very forgiving of the people we love when it comes to what you put on our heads because we don't evaluate it to what you guys do. I mean, hairdressers look and go, oh, that's not so great. And we, we, we're just kind of happy that we spent an hour with you. And, and, and if it's okay, we're probably coming back. Um, and if it's not okay and we love you, we're probably forgiving you and coming back, you know, giving you another chance. So it, it is about people. Especially in this industry. You know, so much about people, you know, every day behind a chair, you're interacting with people. I remember, you know, in school, I was pretty, I was shy, so much more sh on the shy side. But when I became a hairdresser, you know, I remember I would sit there at night and I'd say, you know, I can't be shy anymore. I just, and I discovered that in school when I had my first couple clients, I thought, you know, I got to get out of this. And I chose to do this. Now, one of the things I need to do is open myself up. Very difficult thing to do, but, you know, that's where it begins. You know, it, it goes back to that saying, communication builds wealth. How we communicate with people how is how you can connect with people. How did shy young Sam find his way into an industry that is filled with with talking to people every single day? I was pretty much, I think I, I sheltered myself with athletics. I was really always, you know, doing something athletic, competing on a sport or, or teaching a sport. <clears throat> and I went to school on a volleyball scholarship. And uh, at my junior year, I decided I wanted to drop out. And um, I went home the weekend, had dinner with my parents and sat at the table and said, I want to drop out of school and go to beauty school. My mom about had a heart attack. My father was clapping underneath the table because I grew up in the barbershop. He was a barber. And I, I hated it, Gordon. I hated it because every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., I'd wake up, be in the car, driving down the neighborhood road, the street I lived on, and there'd be my friends playing, riding their bikes early on a Saturday morning. I'd be going to the, to the, to the barbershop. And I shined the shoes and swept hair. And I watched my dad work all day on his feet. And I said, man, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. And now who, you know, just never know how life shows you these things. But when I told my parents that I wanted to drop out of school, my dad's like, well, what are you going to do? I said, I want to go to cosmetology school. And my dad was clapping on the table. And my mom was like, well, why? And I said, well, mom, dad's done very good with the family. You know, I'm a PE major and there's no jobs and the pay's really, you know, let me give it a try. She goes, well, OK, go. But if you don't like it, you know, then you're going to be responsible for your last year in college. So off I went to beauty school. Two weeks into beauty school, I thought, what am I doing here? Uh, you know, my rollers wouldn't stay in. Uh, you know, I was having problems just trying to do anything. And as I said, you know, just being that somewhat of a shy person. So my dad called me up one weekend and said, hey, I'm going to pick you up on Sunday morning. Be ready. We're going to go early and get in line. Or I'm going to take you to a hair show. I said, what's that? He said, well, that's where you learn all the latest trends and things and techniques and methods and stuff like that. I said, oh, okay. So we went. And so at the show, it was Fidel Sassoon, but was amazing who he had 
with him. It was Roger Thompson, Christopher Booker, Alan Benfield Bush. And these four guys took these models and they just melted these Asians' hair from long hair and just cut these geometric shapes that had me sitting on the edge of my seat. And I was like, my dad grabbed me, said, sit back. I said, dad, dad, I want to do that. And he said, what? I said, I want to be up there someday. I want to do that. And he looked at me and he, you have to understand my dad. He's like, eyes here, Samuel son. And he <laughs> said, that that's all ego and no money. So yeah, the thing with my relationship I had with my dad, when my dad said something, I had to prove him wrong. So Gordon, it was like magic. I went back to school and I had purpose. I had purpose in terms of what I wanted to do. And that was to be a teacher. So I really started doing things with more intent and purpose. I had uh, not necessarily goals, but I had a purpose. I wanted to prove to my dad that I could do it with no ego and I could make some money on it. So that's a powerful lesson for the audience, what you just said. You know, that that big idea of having purpose in our lives, purpose in our careers. You know, people get stuck, you know, and I think a great question to ask of someone who says they're stuck or to ask of ourselves is, you know, what do I feel my purpose is right now? I, I love that message. Yeah, well, you know what? It's easy to get stuck in this industry, isn't it? When you think about that, I mean, working behind the chair, I worked behind the chair for many, many years, 30 years, and I've been in this industry for 40. But, you know, it was amazing, Gordon, because I found myself sometimes beginning getting mechanical or bored, you know? So I think important, the one thing that uh, is important, there will always be changes in this industry. So I think as a hairdresser, it's important to embrace change and continue to evolve in our craft and every, evolve in every way you can in this craft, whether it's cutting, coloring, long hair, whatever it happens to be. But I think if you can keep that interest, you keep that passion going. It's when people learn something, they fall in love with it and they do it on everybody or they do it the same way all the time, then it becomes just a job. It's no longer that that rebellious feel that they had of challenging themselves every day behind the chair. So I, I and you know, I really, I believe, I know change is scary, but in the wrong, long run for your audience out there, I think it's important that we understand it's valuable in the long run. And with patience and understanding through with change, you can learn and we can grow together. You know, all of us crave in this industry, everybody craves for understanding. They, they want respect. So, you know, no matter what your age is, your education or your experience, I think it's important that they, that people strive to accommodate the working styles of today, whatever it happens to be. So don't get left behind is what I'm saying. And with that happens through education. Education is what sparks change. So, you know, you change yourself, you know, in the way you dress. I think it's important that we change ourselves in the way we stand, think, say, and do behind the chair. I, I love all of that. And, you know, and I, I think of change as kind of being, you know, kind of the lifeblood of passion, you know, and I think, you know, to have a, a long career in anything, you know, you have to find passion and it, it will come and it will go, but we have to go back regularly and look for it if we don't have it. Um, you know, we, I, I'm constantly talking to people again who, who hit that wall and salon owners also who get frustrated with losing staff. And, you know, one of the big ideas, you know, I think in the world around us is, and a lot of people aren't aware of this, is the average person in America stays on a, a single job for five years. So we do change jobs. And a lot of that change comes from what's missing in our job, what's missing in our career. So to the salon owners, I would, I, I believe we need to say, 
help your staff find that passion, help bring education to them. And to the individual, I say, you know, embrace that education, embrace that change. It's, it's so powerful. And, and so talk a little bit about, you know, the value of education in, in, in a person's career and the life cycle of career. And how, how do you keep engaged with it? Well, I think it goes back exactly to what we're talking about. You know, it's the idea of uh, education is, is not an option. It's a necessity. If hairdressers behind the chair don't develop that attitude, and like I said earlier, you get behind, you get left behind, and then you're trying to catch up. So let's talk, for example, shags right now. Everybody's, everybody's talking about how the haircut is back and how it's, you know, the haircut's always been around. But now it has a louder voice than what it's had. It's it's the voice of, of a haircut is speaking louder. But see, here's the the issue with that is that, and this goes to that statement you just made about salon nurse, sometimes people are fearful of change because people have told me, they go, well, Sam, why should I change the way what I'm doing when I'm so successful behind the chair? I said, two things can happen or one of these two things can happen. You're going to get bored or you're going to lose clients. And you're going to lose clients because you're doing things the same way, you know. So you're you're you're, you're by staying within a comfort zone, you squash growth potential. And your clients get bored with you. Absolutely right. Yep. So you know when it comes to education, you know education is what sparks that. It goes to that comment I made. As a teacher, I must never cease to learn because a lot of people say, Sam, how do you? How can I la- make my platform artistry career last? I said, you know. You gotta reinvent yourself. Every year you need to come up with a hit song. What is it? You know, what what is what's gonna be that hit song? What's gonna be that that technique, that method, that philosophy, that attitude, that tribal uh uh phrase that you're trying to, you know, connect with. Like mine right now is artist supporting artists, brand supporting brands. That's that quest I'm on right now is to speak that as much as I can to get that back what the industry was in the 70s, that vibe that it was, where the show floor was a buzz. You know, my dream, Gordon, is on these show floors. Uh, I, ho- I hope one day, uh, and I hope I'm still around, where one day, all you get on that show floor is a microphone. That's all you get. You don't get a sound system with music. All you get is a microphone. Now, let's see who can teach. Now, let's upgrade the standard of the industry. Now, people say to me, well, Sam, you know, you got to have this flash and dance and lights. Okay, I get that. Then do me a favor. Take that big, huge uh, convention center, divide it in half and put those people over there and then put the other people on the other side so that we, you know, so that we start to take it. uh, So we start to upgrade the industry. You know, you can go to class, you can go to these classrooms. And you can take education in those classrooms, but sometimes you can't get in those classrooms. And sometimes the people that want to be in those classrooms can't afford to get in those classrooms. And I'm talking about from the uh, manufacturer end or from the hairdresser, the stylist end. But education is what this industry strives on. Uh, I think education is uh, critical, as you said, to maintain your passion. People lose their passion because they get bored. You know, you affect your destiny every minute of every day. You know, you can choose to have fun. You can choose to learn or you can choose to become better or you can just do more of the same. But I don't know about you, but I don't want to do more of the same. So, you know, I think you have to continue to cultivate your career through education. Well, and I think one of the things, you know, having followed you for years, long before we ever met, 
you're one of those educators who you just, you exude passion when you're up there on stage. You're clearly, you always are having fun. And all the years I've watched you, you know, I'm like, this is a guy who's serious about his work, you know, totally committed to education, but you also, you're having fun up there. And, and I don't know if you have any thoughts about where that comes from, but I always find it inspiring. Well, thanks for that. I think, uh, I think I made a choice, you know, um, I, I think I branded myself as the messenger, as the teacher. And I think that a lot of times, you know, when I was uh, coaching sports, the idea was for me not to, uh, was to always make the team have fun. You know, like I coached uh, football, I coached uh, wrestling, track, volleyball. And my all high concept was, yeah, I worked them hard, but it was all about having some fun. And I think if you can have fun with what you're, what you're doing, then it just becomes a job and it becomes monotonous and it becomes uh, uh, just, you know, another job. And it becomes, ob- it becomes obvious to your audience and to your clients. You bet it does because they can see it. They hear it. And, you know, you've only got that moment to hold on to them. And uh, I think, you know, attitude is contagious. Sometimes we have to, have to ask ourselves, is mine worth catching? When I stand on those stages, I want my attitude to be contagious. I want it to be contagious. So people go, you you know, you're different when you're up there. It's almost like you're acting. I go, okay, yes, I chose to be see in front of people, so I got to turn myself on. So now I have to turn my heat. Do I want to simmer? Do I want to boil? Or do I want to warm things up? In my classes, I try to, I'll go three different types of heat. You know, sometimes I'll warm it up, sometimes I'll, I'll simmer it, and sometimes I'll boil it. But, you know, you can't just keep it on warm the whole entire presentation. It just becomes uh, uh, boring. And I, just, and I love teaching this to these, these kids that, you know, they go, well, Sam, how did, you, how did you learn all this? I go, I videotaped myself. And then they say, what did you do, watch it? I go, yeah, I watched it the first what time I watched it. I watched it with a bag of popcorn like a movie, and I would laugh. I wouldn't beat myself up. Then the second time I watched it, I watched it with the sound all the way up and my back to the to the video. So I was listening to what I was saying. Did I say anything that taught them anything? So I listened to it in five-minute increments. I put my stopwatch on. I listened to five minutes and I'd pause and I'd pause the video and say, okay, what the hell did I teach them in those five minutes? Not a damn thing. I said the same thing to twice. Okay, now let's go to the next five minutes. What did I say? And I'll go, oh, my God, I've been on for 10 minutes now, and I haven't taught them a damn thing. So I would listen to my words. I would listen to what I was saying. I would listen to how I was saying it. I listened to my voice. Then I would turn it, go back and watch it again a third time, and I'd watch it with the volume all the way down. Now what I'm watching is my body language. Does my body language speak enthusiasm, or does it speak boredom? Then the next time I watched it, the fourth time I watched it, I had my mentor come over. And I'd say, come and coach me on this video. So he'd sit there and he ripped me apart. My little voice is going, yep, I've watched it three different ways. So I was acceptive. I would embrace the coaching that he would give me. Rather than a lot of times, the way I used to do it was I'd have my coach come over, watch the video, and he'd rip me apart. I became defensive. So that whole exercise is what I feel really helps people grow. Now imagine, Gordon, taking that concept and applying it behind the chair oh you read my mind you just you so read my mind oh my gosh do that in consultation get salons to do that and say 
Get the client to agree. We're going to videotape this. This is an exercise that we're doing with our staff members to grow their consultation skills. So if you don't mind and we have your permission, we're going to videotape this. This is not going on social. It is for our learning purposes only. Now, how cool would that be to sit in a salon meeting and watch these and have a consultation discussion on what's effective? What makes a consultation effective? And everybody agreed that they're going to watch them together and they're not going to be defensive. They're going to watch them together so that they can actually learn. But watch them in those ways so they can see, what's your body language speaking? Oh, man, my body language, I have my hand on my hip the whole time. What's that tell you? That, that's like I know it all. Well, my hands were folded. My arms were folded across my chest the whole time. What's that tell you? You're closed. So I think it would be a great exercise. I, I love it. And and if and if you feel blocked or if you're someone who's like, oh, I can't do the video thing in the salon, put your phone put your phone out on on your station and oh, hit the rec- hit the record go. button and just do the audio as a starting place. And, I love and it. As a again as a consumer, you know, again, I, I I'm always fascinated with the consumer experience because I think you know there's so much to offer back to our audience about that. And we have those experiences sometimes with you, our hairdressers, that are boring. Maybe your mind is somewhere else. Maybe um, maybe you don't think to recommend product because maybe the last two people right. didn't buy any product. And and as a client, you know, again, it's about the experience first and foremost. It's about did I feel like you were with me? Did were you paying attention to me? Were you engaging with me? Were you talking about the right stuff and not the wrong stuff? Whether it's socially as well as from a business perspective. And for God's sakes, I would say to all of our audience always. I should say, for gosh sakes, to all of our audience, <laughs> always um, recommend product because yes. and I say it, and I say it not from an advertiser perspective. I say it as a consumer. I want to know, and 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 we don't feel the pressure that we have to buy if you do it right, and know that we don't always need a product right now. But if you if you continuously remind us at the moment when we need it, we're going to buy it from you, and and more importantly, we're going to feel like you cared. Because we, most of us, we don't know what to do when we get home and we need that help. Right. That is so important. I think a lot of times, well, when I grew up in the industry, a lot of the attitude was, well, I'm an artist, not, not a salesperson. But I think what we need to do is we need to change the attitude around and make them understand it's part of your professional responsibility to prescribe and recommend. You know, I mean, I've, I've being with Redkin, I was raised that way. But I think, you know, there's a lot of times what happens is, Stylists are not taught product, meaning that they get a product knowledge class, but are they taught procedure of application of product? Are they taught taught location of product? You know, how to apply product where you wish the hair to be the most responsive. For example, you know, let's talk about quantity of product because a lot it's because Gordon, it's misapplication of product or misrecommendation of a product why clients don't like a product. So when simple things to understand, one hot tip that I always share uh, share is when the hair is wet, you want to use a generous amount of product because water will dilute the product and it's going to reduce its effectiveness. Now, manufacturers don't like to hear that, but it's a fact. You know, the product needs to be applied to dry or chemically treated hair only when it's wet. The hair, this hair type is it's too porous. So when you apply it on dry, it sucks it right up. Therefore, if a product is applied when it's dry, it's absorbed and it's, you can't work with it. The hair becomes too sticky and difficult to style. See, these are simple little things that people need to know. Mm-hmm. And, the, and with what's happening today, you know, today more than any time in the industry, Gordon, hairdressers are being challenged both technically and creatively. Now, what I mean by that is 
we focus so much on cutting and coloring skills that we've lacked on the finishing skills. And now there's a big shift in the direction of the finish. How do you create that organic finish, that casual look that everybody seems to think, oh, I can do that? No problem. And they try to do it. And it's like, oh, you know, there's a method to creating that simplicity of or, or an organic look, but it's not easy to do. So it's, you know, the, uh, this goes, takes us right back to, you know, finish today is directly dependent upon application of a variety of techniques, just not a simple blow dry anymore. Shifting subjects a little bit, but, but connecting the dots. So much of that awareness, that interest in clients and the judgments that client make about this topic are because of what's happening on social media. So I want to do a segue, but clients, they know what's going on. Clients sometimes are more educated than some professionals because they're, they're watching these do-it-yourself videos. They're, they're, they have access to professional videos and they're paying attention. So talk a little bit about what, what you feel is happening and, and the importance of social and, and what it means for the, the professional today. Well, I think what the social is has a place a major, major role in the industry I, on the positive side. I don't believe that it plays a ma- any uh, part on the negative side. I think there's a lot of hairdressers out there that go, on, you know, well, my clients are learning this on YouTube. And they go, well, that's because they wanted to learn it and we should have been teaching it to them in the first place. You know, so what are we waiting for? So now instead of complaining, why don't you jump on YouTube and why don't you learn these things so that when the client comes in, you can add value to the appointment time. And value is basically knowledge. So it's showing someone simply how to cover up an elastic with hair using hairpins, not the old way of wrapping hair around the elastic and then pinning it with a hairpin. But it's those little tricks. It's those little what I love now that I'm into, Borden, and you're going to hear me talk a lot about it now, brother, is hair hacks. Ah. I'm into hair hacks. Now. I love this. And, and because those are the little things that add value behind the chair that the clients want. Like, oh my God, Sam, I didn't know that I should be, I, that I shouldn't have the, high, the shower so hot and it on high. And it's just, no wonder the center back of my hair is frizzy. So this is like, you know, BuzzFeed made life hacks, H-A-C-K-S, like a big thing. So now you're promoting hair hacks. I love it. That's correct. Yes. And hair hacks are simple little things. You know, they're, it's like as simple as turn the wavy side of a bobby pin down not up because if it's up it's going to slide out if it's down if the wavy side is down against the scalp it won't slide out brilliant that, that's a hair hack another hair hack would be take powder put powder in a bowl put all your hair pins and your grips inside that bowl shake it around pick up a pin put it in your hair and now it's tack it's not going to slip out you know so now what kind of powder sam obviously i'd say redkins powder grip you see, but these are the things that people need to know. They don't want to know how to work with a round brush anymore. What they want to know is, oh, you mean, Sam, I'm supposed to heat up my thermal brush before I put it in my hair? Yes. So that you're heating the back side of the section and, and you let the, the bow dryer heat the outside of the section. And you teach your clients these little tricks. I, I mean, think it's these- important. The yeah. oh, not only important, but again, high value. It makes you know you're the you're the guy I want to come see every you know six to eight weeks. If if because you're you're sharing those secrets with me, nobody else has ever done that to me as a consumer. It's like oh, your value goes right off the chart. What an incredible way to hold on to a clientele and build a stronger clientele. So I like to say there's no value in that back room. 
get the hell, excuse me, out of that back room. It's a disease. Go in there, have your lunch, and get out of there, answer a couple emails, texts, whatever you need to do that are value, that are important to you, top of your list, then get out of there with a mannequin and go sit by somebody that's doing their color and say, hey, let me show you a couple simple little tricks here with long hair. You have a daughter? Yeah, I do. Now, can you imagine how powerful that salon's gonna be if they get people to do that? Or if a stylist does that with their clients instead of letting their client read a magazine, consumer magazine, while they're in the back room texting away to whomever. Well, and again, you know, I think a career killer is boredom, quote unquote boredom. And and being in that back room and texting means you're probably bored, whether you recognize it or not. And you're not engaged with things that are going to move the needle forward for you, whether it's, you know, being on Instagram and and promoting your, your salon or promoting yourself or, or making a little extra time in your day to take those client photos. Um, I mean, there's just so much you can do that's proactive. And it's, it's also, I would hope, fun and interesting and engaging. And it's, it's again, it's the stuff that, that makes for a, a long career rather than hanging out doing nothing. Yep. And I really believe that life works better when you have a plan in place. So it's the same strategy goes for social media. You got to set goals, you know, like you were saying, you got to set those goals. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, do some client photos. And then you got to ask yourself, what do you want to get back from social media? Is your goal to gain more followers, attract new clients, or increase your brand awareness? So maybe uh, one month you change that. Every month you might change it. So it begins by, you know, for your, your audience out there, for my friends out there, it begins by taking out a notepad and a pen and write down exactly what you want and how you plan to get it. So, for example, I use social media to gain uh, you, you could use, for an example, you could use social media, set a goal where you use social media to gain one new client per week. And you ask your guests to leave a review on Yelp or on Facebook when they leave the salon so their friends know exactly who does their hair. See, that, that's, that's, set that as a goal every week just to do that exercise every week and then watch what happens because it only takes one person to snowball your clientele because that lady could be the king of the beehive queen of the beehive. And, you know, I'm always fascinated with, with the math of beauty, the math of being in the salon. You know, one new client a week is 50 clients over the course of the year. There and, you go. And in the short term, if we don't even think about the multiplier effect of them coming back, but if you start at its simplest, simplest form, those 50 clients, those 50 services. And if you say you put 25 bucks a, a pop in your pocket, which is a very low number, very low number, you know, that that adds up really fast. That's twelve hundred dollars, you know. So that twelve hundred dollars at the end of a year for any of us, I'll take twelve hundred dollars. Twelve hundred dollars can change my life. Twelve hundred dollars could be going to a Sam Via seminar somewhere, you know, traveling across the country and going to a class. It could be going to a, another beauty show. It's but all these these little ideas, these little um, meeting your goals. To your point of making goals, they can change your life. Oh yes, they can. Yeah, I think it's you know. I think also think quality over quantity. You know, I think that's important. You know, like I, I just think that a lot of times hairdressers, we just work too hard. You know, we work too hard behind that chair. By the time we're home, we got nothing left for our family, nothing left for ourselves. And that's because we put out so much. But uh, what I'm trying to say is that you have the ability as a hairdresser, make it simple. What you put out is what you get back, you know? So, and, and how you stand and how you speak and how you act professionally is what you're going to get back who's sitting in that chair. 
you know, so you have to set up your professional standards, you know, in other words, I'm, I always tell, used to tell my team when I had my son, don't let these clients walk all over you and, and run your life. You've done the best you job you could. Are you happy with what you sent out? Yes, I am. Okay, then so am I. It's not our problem that they're unhappy then. I, as long as you know you did 100% and you did the best you could, then we're fine. Now, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to move forward and we're going to move you from good to great. And that's going to happen through continuous education. Talking about making a plan, you know, one of favorite things of yours that I've, I've seen in a while, and I think it was last year, it might have been two years ago, and you put out so much great content, but you did a blog post about going to beauty shows. And, and we're about to, International Beauty Shows this weekend, it's our, our sister property, um, American Salon and, and IBS are very much connected. We've got beauty show seasons in front of us, we've got ABS coming up, we've got Premiere coming up, You know, a lot of stuff happening, Naha. I don't know if you remember some of the high points of that blog post, you know, just about making a plan and getting the most out of a beauty show. Does that one ring a bell? It does. It rings a bell. Yeah. Uh, what I was talking about there, I mean, I'm, I became an education junkie. A lot of people ask me, Sam, how'd you get to where you're at? Uh, one of the things I did was I became an education junkie, meaning that I went to every educational event that I could go to. I was, uh, you know, I was the easiest ticket sale. Every salesperson that came to the salon, I would buy a ticket. Now, some people would ask me, well, did you learn anything? Uh, they would say, well, Sam, I didn't learn anything at that show. Did you learn something? I said, yeah, I learned something. And they go, well, what'd you learn? I said, I learned what not to do. So, you know, there's so many things that you can learn. But I think when you go to these educational events, you get sidetracked by all these, these, these little things. First, when you go, you need to really sit down and figure out, okay, what do you want to accomplish at the show? What's my skill set focus going to be? Is it going to be on coloring, cutting, long hair? What do I need to work on behind the chair? Where, where's, what's my goal? So let's say, for example, it's cutting. Then you go and you look online at the show and look at all those people that are there that are the headliners, all in those classrooms, everything, and figure out what's your schedule going to be. Who have you seen? Who have you read about? If you don't know about them, Google them or go on Facebook. Look for them. Look, for, look on Instagram, see if you like their work, you know, see if you like what they have to say, or have people talked about them. Then from there, that's how you pick your class. You know, you pick, you start to figure out what's the, what are the ones I want to go to, you know, and you line up your time. I find that the way I used to do it was I would go. And then once I got there, I would just wander around. And when I wandered around, I got sidetracked and I, I missed a lot of things. And or I, people would say, wow, did you see this? Did you see that? I'd say, oh, I missed that. So it's really when you go to these shows, it's time to really immerse yourself as a student, but really figure out what's the skill set you want to you want to maybe it's you're going to say, OK, I want to hit one cut, one color and one long hair. So you plan that accordingly. Now, I believe the, and I, you know, I'm going to say this anyway, but I believe that look for the ones where you're going to gain knowledge, where you can take back to the salon. It's unfortunate that a lot of times we get in these classes and, or we go to these shows and it's in information. A lot of people are like, well, I didn't get anything, Sam, that I can use behind the chair. I think, and this is for those teachers out there, you know, that are listening. It's like, keep into consideration who's your audience. I think there's a time and a place to pull out the bells and the whistles. And then there's a time at the same time you're pulling out those bells and whistles where you can give them something that they can take home. So it is worth their while. Uh, but I think, you know, education shows, 
it's all about planning. You know, you really have to take the time to plan your day and plan what's going to be your focus, you know, and that's based upon where, what areas do you want to grow in? It's such great advice. You know, um, years ago, I, I, I grew up in, in South Florida and um, so we were around Disney World. And we learned years ago that to have a great experience at Disney, which is jam-packed all the time, crazy, um, certain rides are popular and you stand in line for two hours to be on a ride. And there's been books written about how to effectively spend the day at Disney. Get to the place and again, you have your plan. What are your favorite rides? What time of day are those rides busiest and not? Um, you go, you when you get there, you run to the back of the park and you go to the place where people haven't gotten to because the crowds want to just jump on everything they see first. To me, it's kind of the same idea at a beauty show. It's a three ring circus. It's yes, like, it okay, is. and there's a lot of stuff happening repetitively. It's like, well, when when's that hot class less crowded? When do, Because I have a better chance of getting a good seat. I have a better chance of talking to the educator. It's not the end of the day. It's the beginning of the day. You know, if I'm going to hit that show floor, you know, you and I, you know, we like to walk those show floors when it's early, when it's not, when the line, when, when the crowds aren't on. And, you know, I always hit a show floor first thing when they open and I zoom down the aisles, I see where everything's at in real time, make my notes, what I'm going to come back to. You can get so much out of this this microcosm of the entire industry, 30, 40, 50,000 professionals all together in one place with 400 exhibits. It's, to me, it's, it's a goldmine of opportunity if you plan. Yes, that's so key. And I love what you're saying there in terms of the idea of, of um, notes, especially with technology nowadays. I remember I used to have a camera, a video camera, and my notepad. <laughs> and I try to capture everything, you know, uh, and then we'd go as a team. One person would do the photos, one person would do the video, and one person would do the notes. So, but now you can just take out your phone, put your recorder on, just speak into it, the notes, and you could have your video running at the same time. It's amazing. And we see it, you know, I was, I was recently at Redkin Symposium, you know, you were all over that thing and, 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 you know, obviously a popular destination anytime you're at a class or in a classroom or on stage at the Redken event. And, and I saw those, those phones come out, a sea of phones, you know, all filming Sam via on stage. And so we, we know that these tools are, are available. They're, they're useful. They're, they're really powerful. And, you know, one of my, something I think is really important. And I hope that that's what some of these people were doing when they were filming you was posting that on on Instagram and saying to their clients, I'm in Las Vegas. I invested in myself so I can come back and do better for you, my clients. I think that's so powerful. Great point. I have them do that in my hands-on classes. I'll say, okay, you're, you've got this, you've got this braid in. Great. Take a picture of it, the mannequin, post it on your Facebook page. Let your clients know where, where you're at on your day off and what you are learning. I think that's that's key. You can see how powerful social media can be. Oh, it's 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 changing people's lives. It's 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 crazy, and and we're gonna have to have another podcast where we really dig into it. You've given us so much great information. I'm gonna begin to wrap up a little bit here, but so I got a few things I I want to ask you before we close up. Um, really importantly, what's coming up for Sam Vio? What's what's next? Well, uh, right now I'm really excited about this Lifetime Achievement Award. I'm just getting ready for that, trying to determine, you know, um, they pretty much leave it to you in terms of how you want to showcase this. So I'm determining that I want to, you know, Gordon, I'm going to use this as a platform to deliver a message to the industry. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity and it's going to be a powerful message that I'm putting together. So I'm really working hard on that. I'm also getting ready to shoot a reality TV program called The Look All Stars. So you'll see that coming out um, and that's going to be filmed in May. 
and basically it's going to be a competition uh, in certain areas of um, the hair the beauty industry and I'll be a judge and mentor and coach on that so I'm looking forward to that I, I've heard rumors about this so I'm, I'm, I'm yes. excited to hear that you're a part of it are they telling us what network that'll be on yet uh, I believe right now they're looking at uh, CW right okay now. very yep. cool yeah so I'm excited about that I'm uh, excited about my new role with Redkin uh, and I have to say with the brand Samvia brand I'm excited about the curling iron the curling iron is going to revolutionize the industry. Imagine a, a two irons in one where you will have a Marcel iron because I feel a, a Marcel irons are hard to find now. So you'll push a button, the Marcel handle comes off and you got a wand. So it's going to be two irons in one. So I'm really excited about that. We're doing new blue, blow dryers, uh, new artist series shears, working on projects for that. The team is really coming together right nicely. If anyone's out there has never seen Andrew Carruthers, please make sure you check out Andrew Carruthers. You think uh, I've got a lot to share with you. Andrew is amazing in terms of his delivery and how he communicates his educational message. And I'll and I'll, I'll add to that because Andrew, I'm a huge fan of Andrew. He's a he's a a great person, a, a brilliant educator. So. So uh, agree and, and good for you for having him on your team. Yes, I mean, I'm so I mean, so fortunate to have him. Another addition to the team is Jesse Linares. Uh, he was a past Redken artist. He's now on board with us and he's awesome. So you'll be hearing a lot about him in terms of what we're doing at the major shows. Uh, ABS in Chicago. Looking forward to that under the Redken banner and the premiere shows. And uh, it's going to be a very, very exciting year. Lots going on. Very, very cool. So I love to ask everybody what. Kind of a final question, you know, what are you reading, listening to, viewing, and or obsessing about? What's what's inspiring you these days that you might want to share with our audience? Baby books. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon, I find myself reading books about, okay, how do I do this? How do I do that? Okay, what happens when the baby gets one month old? What happens when the baby's two months old? You know, how are you supposed to, you know, the, I just discovered this one thing about how to stop, make a baby stop crying. You know, there's a video on it. <laughs> so it's, so, so, so it's a ba it's a baby hack. You're finding yeah. baby hacks. But <laughs> here's the thing. Guess what? It learning. Every day, learn, learn, learn. Whether you're a hairdresser, whether you're a father, or whether a newlywed or whatever, man, there is always something to learn. <laughs> I love it. Um, what's your baby's name? Mateo. Mateo. Yeah, Mateo. In Spanish, it means Matthew, but Mateo, on the religious side, it means a gift from God. So we're very fortunate. You know, this is unexpected, and uh, we're just very fortunate that everything came out pretty good here, so... Well, we are fortunate to have you as part of this industry, and, and again, an inspiration across the globe. Literally, you're you're um, you're just one of our favorites, and you're one of the favorites of the industry. Tell us where people can find Samvia online. Ah, uh, definitely, you can definitely go to my uh, Facebook. Uh, there's, you can go to my professional page, Samvia Professional. Twitter, Samvia Pro. Uh, Google uh, or Instagram, you can go to Samvia Hair. Don't forget, one of the strongest educational plate pieces and places is YouTube. And I have a lot of stuff on YouTube. Over, yeah, over 10 million minutes have been watched on YouTube. So we're really climbing up there. We're really excited what's happening there. And that's Sam Via Hair. Pinterest is Sam Via Hair. 
and Periscope. Um, I'll keep us an eye out on Periscope too and Snapchat. And every week here on americansalon.com, you're one of our most popular weekly bloggers and we're always reposting you and sharing you across all of our social platforms. So so thank you for, for being part of the blogger community on americansalon.com. Sam, thank you for being on our podcast today. And um, best wishes to you and, and your family and, and uh, young Mateo. And we will see you on the road out there sometime soon. Look forward to it, Gordon. And thank you, American Salon, and what you guys are doing and what you're doing for the industry. Keep doing it, my friend. Uh, so it's always about brands, supporting brands, and let's do what we can together to continue to grow the industry in the right way. Thank you, Sam. And we'll be back next week with another American Salon Stories podcast. In the meantime, we hope you'll follow us on Instagram, where we are known as at American underscore salon, also at facebook.com forward slash American Salon. That's all one word. And of course, on americansalon.com, where you can also subscribe to our free newsletter, Your Daily Beauty Fix. This is American Salon publisher Gordon Miller, and I can't wait to bring you more American Salon Stories next week. Music.